Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Clint. This week, we have the privilege to have Congressman Fred Keller joining us to give us an update from his trip to Texas and New Mexico and the Mexico border. Thank you, Congressman, for, for joining us today. And really thank you for your dedication to the Commonwealth and, and, and our country here. And I really appreciate you taking the time to visit us on, uh, on our podcast and vlog here today. Well, Clint, glad to be uh, back with you again and just uh, to be able to share with the, the great people of uh, Pennsylvania the, the work we're doing, and particularly the constituents, you, your constituents that you represent. And they are so fortunate to have you as their state, state representative in the job you do. So, well, this yeah, it won't be long. Hopefully we can start recording these on uh, my back porch. We can do back porch podcasting again. But we had snow this morning up here in North Central. In my house, we had about an inch of snow, which snow looks beautiful in February, um, not so much in April. That's just my thoughts. But um, some people probably thought it was beautiful this morning. But, but we'll get outside and be able to do these again. But I really do appreciate you taking the time. You know, it was no surprise to me um, when I heard that you were heading to the border. I mean, you have been um, a hands-on, eyes-on um, approach to representation for, for Pennsylvania and for the 12th Congressional District. Um, you've been to so many businesses, really trying to really grasp an understanding of what the challenges are, what they're dealing with. Um, how can you help? How can we get out of the way and how can we help? I think that's been kind of the, the your approach, which has really been um, encouraging and, and refreshing for me to see. So to me, it was no surprise when I heard you were heading to the border. But for some, they may ask why. Why would a congressman from, you know, central Pennsylvania um, head to the border to really see the crisis that's going on? So help help people understand what the what the idea was, what the initiative was, and what were kind of kind of some of the goals before you left. Okay. <clears throat> okay, Clint, thanks. And, and, and the reason I went to the border is because, of course, I'm elected to represent the people of Pennsylvania's 12th Congressional District. But in that responsibility, I'm also a member of the House Oversight and Reform Committee. And the ranking member put together a, a trip that was that was approved by the committee uh, chairwoman, who's a Democrat, Chairwoman Maloney. Uh, and I found in private business, if you want to really get to the to to the bottom of any issue that you're 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 working on, you need to go and talk to the people that are that are on the front line that are there getting the job done and, and, and dealing with the issues that are created uh, at our southern border. And uh, and I'll get into it a little bit later on, but we have people now that are being moved around the United States because of the surge at our southern border. So it does affect uh, people in Pennsylvania when, when uh, individuals that cross our border uh, are, are then, after they're processed, waiting to have their cases uh, heard are then sent to various parts of the country. It, in essence, makes all 50 states a border state. Uh, so, you know, that's really, really what we were looking at doing is talking to the Border Patrol agents. We, we stopped, we started in El Paso and we were into an intake facility of Customs and Border Patrol in, in El Paso. And then we, we went west into New Mexico. Uh, it's uh, representative of Ed Harrell's district. And we were at uh, Santa Teresa and, and Columbus, New Mexico, uh, ports of entry. And we also met with uh, a group of ranchers from Luna County, New Mexico. And of course, their ranches 
might go across multiple counties, but we met in Luna County, New Mexico, and also met with the sheriff uh, to have the discussion on, on, on what they're seeing and uh, what policies or what, what they think we should be doing. So what were some of the takeaways? I mean, I, I love that you, you took the time to go down and hear from those that are, that are you know, facing these challenges head on every day, our Border Patrol and, and, and the congressmen and women that are down there. So what were some of the, maybe hit one or two or even three, um, you can talk about 10 of them if you want, 10, however many takeaways you want to talk about. Um, what, what were some of the, the, the things that you realized um, that kind of opened your eyes to the situation uh, to be able to um, really think through creative policies? I and mean, there were a lot of great policies that were in place that are not in place now um, that, that have really been the attributing factors to what we're, we're seeing down there. But what were some of the takeaways um, that you brought home uh, that you're able to communicate to the folks here in the 12th, but also that you're able to communicate in D.C.? Okay, and, and I just had a meeting uh, yesterday with the ranking member of Oversight and Reform, James Comer, and uh, we're, we're all, the, all the groups that have gone down, there's about 70 Republicans that have gone down with different groups, whether it's a Republican study committee, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Oversight and Reform, uh, National Security, so there's a lot of people. Uh, each group that went down, we're going to put together a report and, and get it to Leader McCarthy. Leader McCarthy and Whip Scalise were also down. And uh, they're going to get those reports to the administration on, on, on our observations, on what we were told by people. And I, I guess the two things I would say, there's, there's the issue at the border is humanitarian and it's also national security. And I've had people tell me, well, Fred, we've had a problem at our border for many years. And, and that is true. We have. But what the agents told us, and I'll, I'll go to the to the last group we visited with, and that was the the, the agents that patrol the border. Um, and what, what they told us, they said, we saw before in the past where there were some surges. But what here's what it is. President Trump put policies in place, the wall, which which helps them. And then also the remain in Mexico, or they call it the MPP, Migrant Protection Protocols. And they said that they were working. Those items were working. And uh, now what we're seeing, and one thing I learned that it was really troubling to me was that there isn't anybody that can make it up to our southern border to come into our country that doesn't go through a cartel. These people are being trafficked. And these cartels are making lots of money and, and you might wonder how. Well, uh, these, the people that are coming as far as like family units uh, that are trying to get to work in the United States and other things, um, what happens is the cartels will bring them up. They'll go across, they'll get a job, they'll work in the United States, and then they'll have to send money back uh, to these cartels to pay for their journey here if they, if they can't pay for it in advance. And, and my question was, well, well, how can they guarantee they're going to get that? And they said, the, the people that are bringing it across have family members. In, in, in their home country, whether it's Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and these cartels know where, they're, where they live. So the, the, the reason if, if somebody comes in, they want to make sure their family remains safe. So if they don't pay the bill, the family will pay the price for it uh, in, in the foreign country. Uh, so it's really, really troubling to see that aspect of it and, and see what's happening. And we were at a, a border facility and there was, there was a, a little boy, probably about eight years old, and uh, they normally, uh, 
from what we were shown and, t and told. They, they, they either write a phone number on their, on, on their kid's arm or put a piece of paper in their pocket or write it on their clothing so they don't lose it. And then when they get here, they're supposed to call that person to try and, and, and get where they're going or call home and let, let them at home know that they're there. And this, this little fellow couldn't get a hold of anybody. And the border agents were trying to, you know, console him and, and help him. And uh, it's just really heartbreaking when you see that humanitarian part. And what the Border Patrol agents also told us is these cartels are smart at what they're doing. They will take a large group of these uh, unaccompanied minors or family units and, and they will search the border at one point and, and take the resources, the agents, to deal with that away from other parts of the border. And that's where they move their high value uh, assets or whatever across the border. That's where they move the drugs across the border. That's where they're moving the people across the border uh, that, that might be coming in to, for criminal activity. So that's where you're getting that criminal element that's coming across, not from the people that are, that are running toward. They said, we have people that run toward the border agents and those are the unaccompanied minors and the family units. And they said the cartels have that organized so that our resources are spent dealing with that while they do other things. Uh, so my question was, well, why don't you just put one or two agents with, with that group and then, and then let everybody else patrol? And they said, well, what they do is they have some in that, in that they have some people embedded that are part of their organization. And if they don't have enough agents, if they're not, they'll, they'll, some of those people will start to run, which means they'll take agents to, 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 uh, to track them down. And the agents can't not deal with the the, the influx of, of people that are coming across the border as family units or company minors, because if they do, then they're in trouble for not doing their job. Because my thing was just put one or two agents with that group and let them, you know, monitor. Right. So, so it's really, but, but if we, the same thing we heard, whether it was from the group of ranchers or whether it was from the, the people at the ports of entry, the, the, the uh, processing facility or the border patrol agents, the, the two things that were working was the wall and a Remain in Mexico policy. And, and that would not take any additional appropriations from Congress to reinstate those policies. In fact, there's materials for the wall sitting in, in, along the border. We, we visited that and we saw them stacked there in the desert with a, a concrete mixing facility and the steel and all and the heavy equipment to, to install the wall. And we're still paying those contractors. They're still getting paid. Well, they have to go down and continue erecting the wall so, uh, so that wouldn't take any more money, and the Remain in Mexico policy would not would not take any more money. Well, I appreciate you going down there and and bringing back a report. These these humanitarian um, things just break my heart. I mean, when you hear these kids um, that are being abused and used, trafficked, um, and and it's it's just hard. It's hard to hear. Um, well, well, Clint, I, if I can if I can just sort of tell you another story. Let, let's talk about the ranchers we met with, uh, yeah. several ranching families, and they have ranches that that, board, that, that are right along the border. And um, there's there's a Mr. Hooper, uh, Dale uh, has children. He said, "I am teaching my children how to use firearms to protect themselves." His children. Now, can you imagine on their own property in the United States of America? Uh, the uh, the Johnson family, which is the farm we or the ranch we visited, uh, several thousand acres, but they're along the border. There's three quarters of a mile of border wall that's not completed on their property. It's along along the border where their property butts up against the U.S. or the Mexico border. And uh, 
they said you can see the tracks and, and they took us out there and you could see the paths where people were going through. And and uh, Teresa Johnson said she they have to ride their fence lines. They can't go out without a firearm on their own ranch. And she said she was she was riding a fence line and these these people that do the the guides for these cartels that, that are getting the people in, into the country and these are the these are the more high profile targets. Not these aren't the family units. These are these are others. They're coming in in camouflage with firearms. And she was riding one day and and, and they're camouflaged and five of them stood up and you know, are you border, border patrol was the first question they asked her. And she said no she wasn't. And then she had to make an excuse of why she was riding on her own ranch. So I'm looking for a steer that had a white face. Did you see it? And they said, yeah, it went that way and pointed in a direction. And she said, I know they didn't see it go that way because I didn't, I wasn't looking for it, but I was trying to protect myself. And she said, you know what I did? I went the direction they told me to go. Wow. Now th this is happening. And, and, and the vice president, a little more than three weeks after she's been put in charge of the border, has not been there. Well, that... That was that was one of the things I was curious about. I know the vice president has been charged with um, really taking this on and 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 taking these challenges on this crisis on, but she hasn't. You're you're saying she hasn't been down there to see the reality of 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 what's going on on the ground. No, no, it's been reported that she's going to go to the Central American countries and and, and, and down there and talk to them. Well, the first person that she has a duty to talk to is the American people and the people that are living that. Yeah. That, that's that's who she works for. And quite right. frankly, I think it's a dereliction duty of the president and the vice president not to be addressing the crisis that they created. Wow. I'm not going to say that we, we haven't always had people crossing our border. We have. But it has certainly gotten worse since January 20th and the promises of the Biden administration. You know, putting the, uh, the, the open sign on our border that says we're not going to enforce it and th the message got back because the, like i said before the cartels I, I think they have better control of our border than we do quite frankly wow well i appreciate you taking the time to go down and it really means a lot to the 12th congressional district to the 68th district for sure knowing that that you're you're engaged in this because this does affect not only the border states but you're, like you said at the beginning, it affects the whole country. Um, if you don't mind, do you mind taking a couple of minutes to change subjects here real quick? And um, I'm not sure what your time frame looks like, but if, if you have a minute, I'd love to talk about um, what came up late this week uh, with packing the courts. Um, this is uh, some proposals that are out there. It has a lot of people just super, super concerned uh, all across my district in, in a bipartisan way. I mean, not just Republicans that are concerned about this, but a lot of Democrats that are also really concerned about this whole idea of push to pack the courts um, with an additional four Supreme Court justices. Um, talk a little bit about um, what you're hearing on that and um, kind of help people understand what this process looks like or could look like um, and, and really help us understand it. It's, like I said, this is really new. So um, if you could help us out, that would be wonderful. No, no I, I appreciate the opportunity to discuss what's happening. And, and there is a proposal, um, and I know this was talked about during during the campaign last year about packing the court. Um, and it's been talked about many times in history. Uh, President Roosevelt wanted to pack it during during the Great Depression, 
and he wanted to pack it because he wanted his policies advanced. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to speculate on, on on any of that. My point is, well, how did they arrive at four? Why is four the right? Or why is it going to thirteen the right number? Currently, it's six six that were appointed by Republican presidents and three that were appointed by Democrat presidents. So if you if you change it to four, this administration would be able to appoint four justices. So that would make it seven appointed by Democrat and six appointed by Republican presidents. I don't think that matters. What matters is, are they interpreting the Constitution? This is not meant to be a political body. This is meant to be a, a third branch of government. That's why the president appointed them and the Senate confirmed them. And, and to, uh, uh, to just say we need four, uh, to say we need to do anything at all. Changing the size of it isn't going to make a decision that comes out of that court any more constitutional if they're following the Constitution. That's exactly right. I, I spoke in the event this week and I said, you know, I, I take my job very seriously and I take my oath very seriously. When I put my left hand on the Bible and my, I raised my right hand and said that I would swear and uphold and defend the Constitution of Pennsylvania and the U.S., like that means something. And you have done the same thing, and these justices have as well. If you are doing your job and what you took an oath to do, you're exactly right. It doesn't matter if there's if there's six, seven, eight, ten. I mean, it's it's they need to do the job, right? The the only reason that you can think that somebody would want to now put more more judges on the Supreme Court is they want an outcome. Yeah. And and really the. If they're making constitutional decisions, they're making constitutional decisions. And I think Justice Roberts in the court has proven that they're not they're not being swayed by political one way or the other. And Justice Bader Ginsburg, you know, said about the same thing about the court. You know, we don't need to be adding more people to the Supreme Court. What we need to be doing is we need to be putting in place the policies that are constitutional and not trying to change a body to, to, to get an outcome we would want to have. Well, I think that's the one thing that's going to come out in this, and it's going to come out, you know, in full force. So many have spoke out against this idea over the years, and there are sound bites and videos, you know, of this that we can turn to and and really create this narrative of this is a this really is a hypocr- <laughs> hypocrisy at its finest um, to start to make these um, uh, these suggestions and proposals. So I appreciate your work on. Um, on um, everything you do in D.C., but this this surely is a big deal that people are concerned about, and I appreciate you keeping an eye on that for us, and I know you'll you'll make uh, our voice uh, here in North Central Pennsylvania very very well known in uh, when it comes to to pushing the pack of uh, the courts. Um, but but thank you, Congressman, for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Clint, for the opportunity, and I just really appreciate. All the people of North Central and Northeastern Pennsylvania, outstanding individuals, work very hard. And I know, like you, my goal is to make sure we're we're working equally as hard on behalf of the people we represent. That's right. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you, Congressman Keller. Um, And remember, if there's anything that we can do at all to help you, uh, whether it's a state-related issue or, in this case, a federal-related issue, Uh, please reach out to our offices. That's what we are here to do. We're here to serve you and to make your voices known in Harrisburg and D.C. And remember to never underestimate the value of a conversation.